You're listening to a message from our Young Adult Bible Study. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you. To learn more about our ministry, go to peacechurch.cc slash youngadults. Um, yes, there are snacks. I've been crushing some peanuts. Those are dried mangoes, by the way. They are very tasty. Um, and the jalapeno ranch pretzels, I've been telling people, it's a roller coaster. They're crazy. All right, I want to begin with a story, and then we'll get into the scripture, and then we'll go to discussion groups and uh, prayer groups and end with some worship. But um, I want to share a quick story. I had a friend in high school named Jake. Jake was one of my best friends for a season. Uh, we would stay up late, hang out, and have, I would call, incredible conversations about faith, ones that I always left encouraged, um, and he had, I, to this day, still just one of the strongest uh, desires to stay away from drugs that his parents were addicted to. Like he was the most adamant and passionate um, man I've ever met about um, being clean from drugs that he saw destroy his family. And uh, he graduated. He was a grade above me. So he left the area and then came back a year later. And he took me to a parking lot to have a heart-to-heart, he told me, I want to tell you two things. And first, he said that he was rejecting his desires to stay clean, that he was explicit about doing the drugs that he once um, uh, stayed away from, and second, that he was rejecting Jesus, and he said that to my face. And I haven't talked to him since. And I walked away from my old friend that day and I felt rejected. We can feel rejected when someone we love rejects the gospel that we try to share with them. In scripture, we see a similar story in 1 Samuel. At the time, Samuel was the judge of Israel. He was the leader of the people of Israel. And uh, the people wanted a king instead of Samuel. And God comes to Samuel and he says this in 1 Samuel 8, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, obey my voice, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, they have rejected me. When we share the gospel and it is rejected, um, it is not just us being rejected, but also God. And that is something that is eternally tragic. Um, one of the wonderful things, uh, one of the wonderful blessings of God is that um, he helps bear the weight of that. He's saying, ultimately, it's me they're rejecting, and if they're rejecting me, you're not going to convince them otherwise. So today we're talking about evangelism, and I want to go to what Jesus said about this topic. Um, What I'm going to say tonight is not a comprehensive case on evangelism. Um, I'm talking for like 15 minutes on a topic that obviously books are written about and there's many pages of scripture uh, that we could read through. But I just want to go to one passage and, and meditate on what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. The reason we go to scripture is because Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's why we go to scripture. And in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, it says this. 
This is Jesus speaking. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the context of this passage is during what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the greatest sermons ever preached because Jesus preached it. (laughs) Uh, And first, if you are familiar with uh, Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, the first thing Jesus does is he gives what's called the Beatitudes. It's happened right before these verses. He's giving the Beatitudes. That's in Scripture. That's the part in Scripture where uh, he says, blessed is the one who blank. Um, He says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. What he's doing right off the bat in the sermon is he's describing the character of a Christian poor in spirit, recognizing our neediness. We mourn our sin. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We are pure in heart because we're focused ultimately on Christ. So he's describing the life of a Christian, the character of a Christian. And then here he describes the life of a Christian. So the Beatitudes, character, and now he's describing the life of a Christian. So the assumption is that the people being described here are redeemed, regenerate uh, people. Christians, Christians, and this is how the Christian life is described. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, Uh, meaning useful. You're useful. Salt is very useful. Uh, Christians are the agents of God on earth, and God utilizes us for his purposes on earth. Salt is very useful. It's useful for taste. Um, it's useful for preserving things. It's u- it was used as fertilizer. It was even used, and I, I learned this study in this passage, it was used in temple sacrifices. It was very useful. It still is, to this day, useful. If salt didn't exist, it just ceased to exist, we would die. I also read that the salt water in the oceans helps create the buoyancy for glaciers and things or for um, icebergs and they would instantly sink into the water at such a force that it would create a tidal wave unknown to humanity and it would destroy us all. Like salt, if it disappeared right now, we would all die. Salt is very useful. Um, What he's saying is you are to be useful to the world because you remind the world of the good news. You are useful to the world because you remind the world of Jesus. And Jesus also adds a warning about neglecting our Christian calling because we no longer become useful to the kingdom when we neglect our Christian calling. And he says it's, it's good for nothing except to be trampled underfoot. And that's an, another reminder that we may be treated by others as if we are not useful when we try to share the gospel but we need to be reminded that it's not just us being rejected. And he also says, you are the light of the world. This is what we call in the Bible a parallel. He is saying the same point, but with a different metaphor. Because light is one of the most useful things you can think of. 
Salt, incredibly useful. Light, again, we would die. <laughs> like, we need it. Um, you are useful, and God will use you to change lives like he uses salt and light. And then Jesus says, so that. Be salt and light so that they may see. So the goal in mind is conversion, which is kind of a heavy word. But the idea, the goal in mind is that the Christian life would be an evangelistic method that being a Christian, being salt and being light will be used by God to show the world Jesus. We call that organic outreach. We, just by being the Christian that he calls us to be, even in the imperfect ways we do so, it says, so that they may see and they may glorify God. And I want to frame this, the impact of this text the best I can. Um, again, I'm assuming everyone in this room is a Christian, and maybe that's a bad assumption. If you are not, if you do not know Jesus, please consider how the Holy Spirit is calling you into relationship with him and talk to someone about it. But assuming that we're all Christians in this room, since the text is assuming the hearer knows Jesus, by being a follower of Christ, by being saved by Jesus and growing in the character of Christ, simply by being a Christ follower, leads others to see. And what they see is that our faith our gospel, our religion, our relationship with Christ is not just words, but it actually is, it, it has actually renewed and regenerated our hearts and our minds. And we put on display an everlasting hope that is consequential, an everlasting hope that changes the way we live. And God willing, they will see that that hope could be theirs as well. So the text is simply saying, God will use you as he gives sight to the blind, which is crazy. He does not need to use us. But he often wants to. God will use you as he gives sight to the blind by simply following Christ and embodying the Beatitudes, by simply following Christ, by being Christians, embodying the fruits of the Spirit, the way of Christ that will shine a light on a dark world. So as we reflect on these ideas, which we'll do more in a minute in our discussion tables, um, I think I see one primary application I want to put before you. One primary application is that God uses our personal conversations to save souls. He does not need to. He wants to. He delights in it. Even though we are imperfect at representing him often, he still wants to use us. So think of the mature Christians you know. Think of a mature Christian that you know and what a delight it is to talk to them. Think of a mature Christian you know, you know that loves Jesus and think of how you feel when you talk to them. It has an effect on you. Conversations display who you are and God uses who you authentically are, a saved sinner to regenerate hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is doing it. He's doing it through you. Again, crazy. He does not need to go through you, but he chooses to. He wants to. Um, Thomas Boston, which is a sick name, 
Uh, Thomas Boston was a Scottish pastor in the early 1700s, and he was 22 when he wrote a small book called The Art of Man Fishing. Again, incredible name for a book. Um, He was 22. He wrote a book called The Art of Man Fishing. The idea being uh, Jesus calls us fishers of men, his disciples fishers of men. The idea being that we give the gospel and we pray for the Holy Spirit to bless those efforts. Um, But The Art of Man Fishing, he, he says there are two contexts where we cast the net. Two contexts where we seek the conversion of our neighbors through um, our words, fishers of men, and he says this. This is a quote. There are two pools where we should cast our nets. The first place is the public assemblies of the Lord's people, and the second place is to set a net in private conversations. theological note God calls people it's the act of God that's what the Holy Spirit does it's what he did in your life he called you and we don't know who is called and who isn't but we do know that every call of God is an act of such mercy and such grace that it should put us in absolute awe an act of such mercy and grace that God would call a sinner repentance because the wickedness of our sin we grossly underestimate the wickedness of sin and what it does to our hearts the wickedness of sin in our hearts is altogether damning because we actually reject God's goodness God's goodness is what hardens Pharaoh's heart and that was our lives too that was our heart too before he regenerated our hearts our salvation is a wonder because he softens our hearts despite our sin wanting to shrink and fight back. Sin in the heart of an unbeliever wants to shrink back and fight back and reject God. And he softens hearts. So every person we meet is someone that God could call and we should recognize that God could use us in calling them. We don't know, there's no way to know who the Holy Spirit is speaking to, but whenever somebody is called by the Holy Spirit, God delights in using his people to help in the process. Whenever someone is called by the Holy Spirit, God delights in using his people as part of the process. And so I think we should safely assume that God wants to use us and whenever we are talking to someone, we should be bold about our hope in our conversations, the same hope, the same truths that, that saved our lives, that changed our lives. We should assume that God wants to use us and we should be bold in our conversations about the hope that changed our lives. Conversations with Christians are the pool where God frequently calls people home. Whenever I offer pastoral counseling, um, I try to not overpromise. I want to set people's expectations upright. I'm pretty upfront about what I offer in pastoral counseling. It's the same thing that every pastor offers in pastoral counseling. Um, the best I have to offer is three simple things. Um, to listen, to share scripture, and to pray. Because that is actually the best I have to offer. That is how God uses his people to move us along a step at a time. 
And one reason I think that simply listening, one reason I think that simply praying and offering scripture is so powerful is because what that is doing is it's modeling the life of a Christian depending on Christ. And Christians do the same all the time in our conversations. Listen, offer scripture, and pray. And the text says that people see God because they see Christians, depending on Christ. And we model that in our conversations by listening, offering scripture, and praying. When Jesus says, see your good works and give glory to God, I don't think that he has a specific action in mind, though he obviously has a lot of very good examples in the Sermon on the Mount on what, how a Christian tangibly lives. But I don't think he has a specific action in mind so much as he has a type of person in mind, a Christ-like person who has found redemption and hope in Christ and lives like it. That that hope has changed him. Conversations with Christians God uses as a shepherd's hook to bring lost sheep home. Um, I think also in conversations we show who we are, which are redeemed sinners. We're just beggars who are telling other beggars where we found some bread, it's often been said. And I think that's, that's one reason why Paul says that he boasts in his weaknesses. In, in 2 Corinthians twelve nineteen, Paul says that he boasts in his weaknesses because that is what we're saying. We're saying, I know where I found some hope. I'm not saying I'm awesome. I know who is awesome, who gave me hope. And so the good work is simply us having been changed by that hope, trusting in that hope, modeling what it looks like to depend on that hope, and sharing that hope, the hope of Jesus. Love them enough to say Jesus. Love your unbelieving neighbors by giving them the best that you have been given. Jesus. He's the hope you have. Give the hope that changed you. It's very basic. We give the hope, we share the hope, and then we pray that the Holy Spirit blesses our efforts. You don't save people. Jesus saves people. He saved you. We share that hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will bless our efforts. Pray that it will be the hope they have as well. So this is the organic outreach, the 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 lifestyle evangelism that Christ teaches us to have, simply be and pray. Say who you are and where your hope is found. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your truth, for your word and the call on our lives to follow you. You say, seek first your kingdom and all the rest will be given. God, we have desires and you say, seek first the kingdom. Some of those desires we have are for our brother or our sister or our cousin or our friend or our uncle to know you and you know that desire. And Father, you still say, seek first the kingdom. Focus on Christ. Be a Christ follower and pray. God, you guide us so well. You are such a good shepherd and we pray you guide our conversations tonight. In your name we pray, amen. Um, I want to share a quote and then we'll go into discussion groups. Matthew Henry is one of two people I always consult, almost always, before I teach something in the scripture. 
literally one of the two men I have looked at their writings the most before I teach on something. The other is John Calvin. And Matthew Henry's commentary on the entire Bible is available for free online at Bible Gateway. So you can look at them too. It's free. Matthew Henry, Bible Gateway, under commentaries is listed. Um, And he said of this passage, when talking about the power of a conversation, he said this. Note the holy and regular and exemplary conversation of the saints may do much towards the conversion of sinners. The conversation of the saints may do much towards the conversion of sinners. Examples teach. And those who are prejudiced against Christ may be brought in love with him through our example. And thus there is a winning virtue in a godly conversation. Um, Here are some discussion questions. Read the passage. What sticks out to you? What questions come up? What does this passage tell you about Jesus? And then these last two. Who in your life do you view as a mature Christian? Do you enjoy conversations with them and why? And then lastly, who in your life does not follow Jesus and do you believe that God could call them to repentance through a relationship with you? The answer is yes, he can. But how do you wrestle with your feelings of inadequacy compared to the power and glory of God in that. Um, we're going to do conversation at our t- discussion tables for about 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, probably 30 minutes because there's a lot to talk about. Um, and then we'll end with worship. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs>